You are Locked On Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Locked On crossover edition. Today, I am talking with Ryan from the Locked On Royals and Locked On Thunder. Uh, give shout outs to both. Uh, hi, Ryan. It's great to talk with you. Talk some baseball. It is exactly that. It's amazing to talk some baseball. We've almost made it to, to uh, opening day. It's going to get fun. It's going to get fun real quick. Yeah, the Royals are uh, certainly an interesting team. Uh, I have I'll be honest, I've been a little bit critical on the rebuild uh, through the beginning times. I just, I always like the teardown approach, which isn't always uh, everyone's favorite, but it is a fun team, especially for, I think, my listeners with a combination of Carlos Santana and then, you know, Andrew Benintendi was a Cincinnati kid. He's an Ohio kid. So there's, there's multiple Ohio ties with this Kansas City group that uh, on top of just being an interesting young team with what feels like arms for days. Yeah, just a stockpile of, of arms and still more coming up. Bobby Witt Jr. is stealing all the headlines, and and they're in a unique spot. You mentioned the rebuild there. I, I mean, this is a team that from all levels say that they want to win from ownership down to the players. They've made moves to try to compete. Are the moves going to work? Who knows, but they might. So it's kind of a fun time. I think that the expectation level is probably – you're hoping this is the year that you get kind of competitive. You get to that third place. And then next year you add some more pieces and you try to go for the postseason. But if you ask the players, you ask the ownership or, or Dayton Moore, they think this team this year can, can go to the playoffs. So I think that that's a bit out there without the expanded postseason, but anything can happen. Yeah. The, I won't lie uh, as an outside observer, the Bobby Witt junior talk, like when I saw people, you know, talking about uh, BWJ making the Royals, I'm like, Huh? Who's that? And then it took me a while to put it together. <laughs> I, I didn't expect it to be quite yet. I, I, I guess my question is, as someone who follows this team, does he honestly, I mean, no one got to see him last year, so we don't have an idea like how ready he feels. Like what's, I know fans are always going to be excited when a young player of, you know, his magnitude comes up, but what's the overall feel and view on this Bobby Witt Jr. situation as it continues to develop? I mean, it's tough, right? Because, for Royals fans, for me, I'm 23 years old. I've never seen George Bett play a baseball game in my life. So in my lifetime, I've never seen a player that can play the way Bobby Wood Jr. can play, that can kind of be that transcendent star. I mean, even that 2014, 2015 team, that was a good collection of guys. None of those guys are, are the transcendent star that will be an attention grabber for your franchise and for your city uh, outside of just major league baseball circles. Bobby Witt Jr. can be that highlight play. He can be that highlight player. Uh, you know, he can be that Patrick Mahomes at the other side of the parking lot, so to say. He can be that Tatis type of guy. So, of course, this is the first time since George Brett that the Royals have had that. And you're going to try to rush that if you're if you're a fan. And it's coupled with Dayton Moore last year, having Brady Singer on the opening day roster against Cleveland and, and throwing away that service time. Uh, it's, it's a tough position to be in for the Royals because – Here's a guy in Bobby Witt Jr. who has never played above Arizona Fall League baseball. He didn't go to college. And 
He had a really good summer camp last year. He had really good exhibition games last year against the Cardinals and the Astros. He's being really good in spring training. He's hit all the benchmarks. He just hasn't gone to spring training yet. I mean, some of the minor league season yet and the actual minor leagues, but is he a better option than Nicky Lopez? That's who you'd be replacing him with. You know, I think that the answer to that is probably yes already, despite how crazy and out there it seems, but you don't want to rush that. You, you don't want to rush his development and, and maybe hurt his development. Although I would say that he's a son of a big leaguer. He's been around this game so long that I don't think if he fails out of the gates, it will be disastrous for his career. Uh, I, I think it's a, it's a win-win position. If you don't evaluate this in the hindsight, right? I think right now I can justify either move to send him down or to call him up for Dayton Moore, and then you let the chips fall where they may in the future. The really scary thing is, though, he's 20 years old. So if even if he is really good right out of the gate and you call him up and things are cooking, things are just amazing, you have a six-year window now where you've got to win with him because I know this new ownership group has gotten a ton of good PR from signing Carlos Santana and signing Mike Miner and signing Michael A. Taylor and trading for Andrew Benatendi. But that does not translate to paying $400 million, which we've never seen Kansas City do. Maybe the Shermans will. Maybe Mahomes will. But we've never seen Kansas City do that. So you really want to start that arbitration clock right now on this 20-year-old? who, If he's as good as they say, he'll be a free agent at at 26, be playing a premier position shortstop, and you're going to shell out $400 million? I don't know when you want to start this clock for Bobby Witt Jr. For me, I think you play the service time game. And I think that if this team gets off to a hot start in April, which they very well could, then you call him up to bolster this roster and you see if you can make a wild card run. But again, that's the tough part for Dayton Morris because I can justify either pathway he wants to go because I do think Bobby Witt Jr., even at 20 years old, even with those qualifiers, is a better option than Nicky Lopez and a better option than Hansel Alberto. So what are we talking about here? Like, like put your best team on the field, which is what Kansas City has been trying to do this entire time while other teams are tearing it down. They're trying to maximize and build their team the best way that they can. It's a tough spot. I feel like it's interesting, too, because the, the book on him has always been positive in terms of his defense. But is there a situation or a world where maybe it makes the most sense more than anything else to let him play this year in the minors, kind of delay the clock, as you talked about, and maybe – I Mondesi is what he is. And I don't know if he's ever going to be a, a force offensively, but I mean, defensively there's enough there that in another year when there's two years of team control to maybe use him as a trade asset. Uh, we saw what the shortstop market looked like and we know the, with the free agent market, what it's going to look like, but at the same time, all those free agents are going to be expensive. There's still that lower tier of teams like the Cincinnati reds, for instance, that could very much be looking for a shortstop. And if, if you, Again, I think Bobby Witt's natural home is short. I believe, you know, he's always talked about wanting to play there. Is there just maybe a logic beyond service time or beyond how ready he is by Mondesi's earned that spot already? And that maybe another year with some slight incremental improvement, they could use him as a, as a pretty valuable trade asset with two years of control. It's interesting because you really have a set team here in Kansas City for the most part because you know, are you going to move Dozier again? I mean, you've kind of moved them back to third base already. I think that the next logical step for Dozier is play third base for these two years with Santana at first. And then when Santana's gone, you slide Dozier over first and that opens up third base for you. Again, the, the thing is that they love Mondesi. I mean, they love him to death. The fans do, the organization does, no matter how many times that he disappoints for 90% of the year, as long as he has that last 10% as a good season, like he did in the final stretch of September. If he has that kind of September, 
everyone's going to be back on board Mondesi. So it's always hard to evaluate Mondesi in that sense because he just seems to have unlimited chances and unlimited lives in Kansas City. I think that ultimately this is a make or break year for Mondesi, though. I think that you have to see at least a below average hitter, at least a an average to below average hitter w- with that defense. He cannot be a disaster at the plate for majority of the season and then have one good week and you say, okay, well, that's the week that'll carry through an entire winter and he'll pick back up in April the same way he did the last week. Mondesi is interesting. And I think that he's not worth, you know, he's not worth taking wit out of his natural position beyond this year. If you want to make that move this year, of course you put wit at second base and you put Nikki Lopez in the minors or on the bench, whatever the case may be, and you move on about your day. But next year and years past that, if Mondesi shows no improvement, then you get wit to his natural position. You get wit to the position he wants to play, and you just figure something else out with Mondesi because he's not really that valuable. I was just, I was kind of curious so as, as you were talking about wit, and I was like, oh, shortstop. I went over and looked up Mondesi's baseball savant data, and it is interesting just when you look at 2019 and 2020, both years, 99th percentile in sprint speed. Anyone who follows baseball remotely should not be surprised by that. But outs above average at 94th percentile and 95th percentile. Uh, so, you know, that defensive value. And then I, I think if there's a positive or something where Royals fans could get excited is the 2019 exit velocity at 38th, 2020 jumped to 78th. So, I mean, everything else is ugly. <laughs> you weren't lying when you talked about um, the production. I mean, he doesn't hit for average. He strikes out a lot. He doesn't walk. It's, but that, I mean, I guess the th- that's one of those things like catcher and shortstop, the bar is so low. Um I, I, like I said, as an outsider's perspective, I've always someone who's trying to uh, figure out how to move pieces and sell off and kind of do what the Indians do, where they trade pieces here or there to supplement the core, but continue to build your minders. I think I might've said minders instead of minors, uh, but I mean, Mondesi, I just think he's, he's fascinating because athleticism, people always love that. And he's shown that defensive ability. Uh, I, I mean, Indians fans know that well. It's like uh, Ahmad Rosario has kind of been a disappointment by and large in his time with the Mets, but he was still a substantial trade piece because athleticism and up the middle talent. It seems like those things uh, just never fade. Teams will always be interested in up the middle athleticism. We've been talking to you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market for quite a while now. It's a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. It is an amazing low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber-tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on the outside of every single bar. And right now, it's March, and that means March Madness. It means brackets. It means tournaments. And guess what? Built Bar has their own tournament going right now of crowning the very best-tasting protein bar. Today's matchup is peanut butter against coconut. And for me, you got to go peanut butter. The peanut butter protein bars are phenomenal. They taste like a Reese's. It's that good. It's that amazing. Vote peanut butter today. And to vote, go to BuiltBar.com or at bar underscore built on Twitter. Remember to use our promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's a LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. Yeah, especially in Kansas City. I mean, they prioritize defense so much. That's why Michael A. Taylor's roaming in the outfield right now. And and you send down guys like Lee, I mean, uh, Kyle Isbell and uh, Edward Oliveira, who are much better hitters than 
than Michael A. Taylor, but he has the defense. So they're always going to value defense in Kansas City. And that's where Mondesi gets a lot of credit there. Uh, I still think that Mondesi can do it, can be a below average hitter, because if he is simply below average, it's not a high bar. If he's below average with that amazing defense, then he becomes a valuable player. But he, he has to be at least below average. He cannot be disastrous. Yeah, we have our own equivalent with the Oscar Mercado. Like he is basically our center field equivalent of that. Uh, I, I'm hoping to see Kyle Isabel as an outside uh, perspective. It's very high on him out of UNLV, I want to say. Sometimes it all blends together. I feel, and I think that's a fun thing as an outsider watching this team. And, you know, it, the minors, we've already seen the first breaking of talent. Uh, maybe seeing someone like Lynch this year or Kowar talked about Isabel and, and the like, it's going to be interesting to see how they integrate all of these players. I guess my next question then is as they are integrating, we talked about the idea of, well, it might make sense. You know, Bobby Witt's probably going to want to play shortstop to move Mondesi. What about some of these other players on the roster? Is there any other pieces that you think, I mean, they're so close to, to, as you talked about, I mean, they, they've talked about trying to make the playoffs this year. Are there any other players or pieces that you think could be moved or could be considered tradable assets before this year is done as they kind of continue to move forward? I mean, I, I think if you get off to a terrible start and this team just isn't winning and they're out of it by June and it's just that bad, maybe you can trade Wit. I mean, maybe you know Whit Merrifield that is, not by Whit Jr., Whit Merrifield. But I, I just don't really see the trade asset on this team because, you know, again, Holland, maybe Greg Holland, if you're just out of it and somebody's a bullpen arm, but they, they've kind of positioned themselves where everybody kind of has too many years left, you know, and, and too much control left. Jorge Soler is another guy that can be really volatile because he's a free agent in 2022. But if he's good at that point, you'd expect your team to be good. Cause I think this lineup will really go as he goes. So it's interesting. And I think that the the difficult part about this in Kansas City is that there's not really that blue chip trade prospect to kind of cash in. Duffy's on the final year of his deal, uh, but who really wants Danny Duffy in 2021 unless he'll take on a bullpen role, in, which is the only role he's ever been successful in? That's kind of it, is Danny Duffy. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I was going through and Greg Holland was the name that popped in my mind as I was looking at it. It's, but, you know, I, I've probably gone too long without, um, excuse me there, uh, mentioning Carlos Santana. Well-loved uh, and well-not-loved during his time in Cleveland. He was kind of all over the place. Uh, a guy who wrote his name into the record books. A lot of Indians fans don't necessarily appreciate or realize just how high he is in many categories. Second all-time, I believe, in the entire franchise in walks. But uh, very much a down year. But obviously, the Royals saw something there where they were willing just to write it off as a 2020 issue. Uh, what's he been like in camp? What are they saying? What's it... Uh, you know, he personally, he's one of my favorite players of the last 20 years. I'd love to hear how things are going with, uh, with Los down there. Yeah. It's, it's funny because Brady Singer, who has of course made his major league debut uh, last year in that 60 game season had the funniest quote about Santana and that he said, Oh, I hated facing that guy. I'm so glad he's on our team now. Cause it's kind of the standard stuff you say. It's just funny that Danny Duffy had a, I mean, not Danny Duffy, um, Brady Singer, who had his debut last year and faced Santana a handful of times, is just already saying, oh, yeah, I hated facing that guy as if he's some 20-year-old veteran, you know, some 20-year veteran. I think with Santana, you hope that you know what you're going to get from him. You hope that he'll add some base on balls to this to this lineup that struggles to get on base, struggles to draw walks. I mean, they're, they've been abysmal for what feels like 20 years at drawing walks, and so hopefully Santana can do that. 
he's been solid as can be in camp, especially for the kind of veteran that he is. The scary thing about this lineup is what you mentioned right there is that the down year in 2020, I like to throw that all out because, you know, Hunter Dozier dealt with COVID and ramifications of COVID all last year. He mentioned that he didn't get his stamina and fatigue and it was all wearing on him up until the final day of the regular season. Then he started feeling like himself again. So I think that COVID played a big deal in this. The stress of all that played a big deal in all this. Uh, so I like to throw out 2020 myself. But the scary thing is, what if that's who he really is? Like the, the Royals lineup up and down, I know what I'm going to get from Whit Merrifield, but you could see the rest of this lineup go either way. You could see Ben Attendee bouncing back. You could see him be running bad. Same with Mondesi, same with Santana, same with Salvador Perez, who was just on fire last year in half of a 60-game season. I don't think he's going to be that. I don't think that'll be a, a world-beating hitter where he'll be one of the best in baseball, but I think I think that he'll be a serviceable enough hitter, an above-average hitter, and then you move on from there. Like you said, the, the catcher position really helps out there. You know, it's, it's limited, so you don't expect too much from the catcher. And Perez is one of the upper echelon hitters, I think, for this year coming up as a catcher. And again, Jorge Soler, he can go either way. Soler can be abysmal. He could be the home run champ. It, you just don't know. And Dozier, same way, bouncing back there. And then you know that, I mean, the one thing that you do know besides what Maryfield is that you know that Nicky Lopez and Michael A. Taylor are not going to be good at the plate. So those are the three certainties, and two of them are bad. So that's the question mark for Kansas City is what will this lineup be? Because you can you can look glass half full or empty at this Rose lineup. Yeah, yeah. And like I said, I think, you know, for Indians fans, we tend to look at the White Sox and the Twins, and those are the teams, like the, you know, the three teams that all made the playoffs last year. But I talked about it a little bit. It is interesting just to look at this Royals team and how many Indians connections there are, or Ohio connections. You know, I talked about Santana, and I talked about Benintendi. Got Bradley Zimmer's brother Kyle, who uh, the Zimmer brothers are apparently made of paper mache. Is the one thing we've learned over the years with the two of them, and even Asa Lacy, your top prospect, was a former Indians draft pick. So I think for Indians fans, you may not be looking at the Royals as much. It is a it's a young team, which is always fun, but it's a team that has more Cleveland connections than you could think. And I mean, maybe the biggest Cleveland connection is no team has hurt the Cleveland Indians and their chances of success in the last 10 years more than the Royals because uh, John Sherman was up to, we think, maybe 30% ownership in the Indians before he left. And uh, the Indians payroll is now uh, fighting the Pirates for the lowest in baseball. So while it doesn't always come up or that we view other teams as bigger rivals, uh, this should be the rival team. Like I said, no team has had a greater impact on the Cleveland Indians in the last 10 years than the Kansas City Royals is something I like to bring up when I can. It, it is interesting to see. And uh, with the new ownership there and just how well they seem to do everything last year and how well they treated humans like humans in a hard time, uh, how excited are fans for this Sherman ownership group? Sherman has done a brilliant job in Kansas City. And I think that that rivalry that you mentioned will get heated up, especially this year, because I think third place in this division comes down to Kansas City and Cleveland. I think that Minnesota and Chicago are one, two, whichever order you want. And then it's going to be who gets that third spot in this division. And third spot in this division with the cross-divisional play of playing the NL Central, who's in, which is an abysmal division, that can still be within a puncher's reach of a, of a playoff spot, even without the expanded postseason. So it's going to be a big deal this year watching these two teams play. But Sherman, he has been nothing short of amazing in Kansas City. And, and he's gotten so much good favor in Kansas City, even – with the paying the minor leaguers and everything he did last year. And then also this year, adding Michael A. Taylor, adding Santana, saying all the right things, the Brady Singer not manipulating his service time last year, doing all the right things so far. 
as the ownership group of the, of the Royals. I think that what it's done is it's gotten new life back to this fan base because the, the big thing that's being said right now around Kansas city is, can you imagine when this team is supposed to win? Cause I think that even with all these moves, nobody outside of Kansas city believes in Kansas city. Now I think that everyone can acknowledge that, Hey, this lineup has some stuff in it. You know, if, if everyone clicks at the same time and they're all living up to their 100% potential, then this lineup can be really good. But when does that ever happen in a season in which everyone is, is on at the same time and they're all playing at that 100% peak, uh, you know, peak of their powers. It, it hardly ever happens. So this lineup basically will not be as good as it is on paper right now, but still, it can still happen. This can still be a playoff team. They're still going for it in a pandemic whenever other owners are actively trying to get worse. The Royals are actively trying to exploit that market and improve their team any way that they can. And it could result in the playoffs this year, which is a big deal for Kansas City. I think that the biggest thing here is that, is that phrase. Can you imagine what's going to happen whenever this team's supposed to be good? Because if he's already adding to this team, when he has every excuse not to, the team wasn't very good last year. The team was not very good the year before that. The team... You know, the team's in a pandemic. They didn't get to have tickets last year. No fans last year. They're losing money. He had every excuse not to actively build this team, not to go get even the free agents he did get with Santana and Miner and all those guys. But he still did it. He still went out there, still added to this team and added to the payroll. So that gives fans hope, right or wrong, and we'll see if we're right or wrong in a couple of years this team is good, that whenever this team does get good, he'll be even more aggressive. He'll be even more of a spender. He'll be even more of a competitor. Because it just seems like, Sherman loves to compete and he loves to try to win. And that's what he's been selling us this entire time since he took over and even more so this off season. I want to tell you about your friends over at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sport action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up today. Head over to the website or even use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus in your first deposit. A 50% welcome bonus in your first deposit. It is incredible, the offer that BetOnline is giving you. BetOnline.ag, go there right now, use our promo code LOCKEDON, and place all the bets you want on sports, on TV, reality TV, TV shows, awards, all that fun stuff, including baseball, prop bets, over-unders, division winners, all of that. So go check them out. BetOnline.ag, promo code LOCKEDON, 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So check them out, BetOnline.ag. Do not forget to check out the Locked On Today podcast. Get more of the sport news you need in less time with the new Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the radio.com app or wherever else you get your podcast from. And then also do not forget to check out Locked On Fantasy Baseball. I had my fantasy baseball draft and I need all the help I can get. Fantasy Baseball Addicts, you now have a new resource to help you through and get you some advantages in your leagues. The Locked On Fantasy Baseball podcast. It's a daily fantasy baseball podcast hosted by veteran fantasy analyst Scott Cluen. We use data and nearly two decades of fantasy baseball experience to offer the strategies and waiver wire pickups that lead to league wins. Season-long fantasy, dynasty leagues, daily fantasy sports, Locked On Fantasy Baseball covers it all. Subscribe to Locked On Fantasy Baseball wherever you get your podcasts from. This is part one of our divisional days with the Locked On Cleveland baseball team. Uh, we'll have part two tomorrow. I'm Ryland Stiles. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles or uh, follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Royals for exclusive Royals content. This is a fun chat. We're going to continue it tomorrow. It was a ton of fun recording it. We get all 
in-depth, deep-cut baseball, Royals, Cleveland baseball team, all that good stuff. So check it out tomorrow. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked on Royals.